Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Welcome to episode 12 of Real Food, Real Conversations. And I'm super excited about this episode because I have my friend Katie here from Undefining Motherhood. And um, I'm really excited. Can you introduce yourself? Thank you for having me. Uh, My name is Katie Huey Harrison, and I am the owner of Undefining Motherhood, which is an educational and advocacy blog for women at all stages of the childbearing and childrearing processes. And food has been definitely a big struggle for me my whole life. Um, and so I'm super excited to get to come with Sophia about it today. And Katie and I uh, met through a business group um, and connected because I have also been through all the stages of conceiving. <laughs> I feel like I've been through it all, miscarriage, um, just many, many, many years of fertility. Um, feeling like a pin cushion, um, pretty much having every instrument inside of you that you could possibly have at one time. Um, <laughs> I know all of those instruments. I've had them in me as well. Yes. Um, and so we talk a lot about, about that, about empathy and miscarriage and people trying to conceive, but yeah. go all the way through parenting, mostly through the toddler years up to about five years old. And then I have a three-year-old. So as he gets old, that will get older as well. Totally. Well, and my um, IVF baby is um, now nine and we are embarking on the journey of, um, he hasn't quite asked yet. There's been things that have come up that my husband and I are like, okay, the talk is coming, you know, the whole talk about conception. And um, I mean, I have saved all of his photos from the time he was an embryo. Um, Yeah. So I have his like, and I, I'm just, I'm really excited to talk to him about it and to tell him about how different he is in a, such a special way. And that, cause he, his brothers weren't conceived that way. And so, um, it's, it's just amazing to see, like I've the whole process, I have all of my failed embryos as well. And to show him, you know, everything that I went through in order to have him. And, um, and actually I'm finding out now that I'm working with a, a naturopathic, um, functional medicine doctor, one of the things she works with me on, and she's actually going to be on um, this podcast, but she works with me on something called NET, which is um, neuroemotional therapy. And it's about um, just the emotions inside of you that um, a lot of them cause physical symptoms. And um, she brings up and has brought up from time to time. um, And she believes that deep inside of me, I do have a lot of emotion left with the process of um, conceiving that I went through. I don't and see how you could not. I mean, it becomes such a part of your so long that yeah. it's, it's buried in there somewhere. Well, and I consider myself like, and that's my question. I consider myself having gone through it in a very positive way. Like I, my husband and I like grew stronger through it. Um, as hard as it was, I still put a smile on my face. I still, I was teaching at the time. I didn't let it affect my work. I, you know, and I know a lot of people that isn't their story. So, I mean, I don't know if maybe I just buried it and covered it up with my smile. Like, I don't know. She's going to let me know, I guess. But um, a lot of that does come with, with guilt and the guilt of um, the underlying guilt of things. And um, 
you know, just the same thing as food guilt is just guilt is guilt, really. Um, and it sucks because parenting shouldn't, motherhood shouldn't be associated with guilt, just like I don't think food should. Um, Neither one. There are absolutely that we need to overcome, um, but it is something that we feel um, because that's what we've been taught. That's what we've been trained to feel um, and not by anyone intentionally. No one's ever tried to say, hey, you need to feel guilty about all of the things. But um, I had someone who was writing for me once who said, um, you know, we're in the 21st century. How can we not feel guilty? Like, that's what we have learned. And it is, it's really hard um, not to, to feel that and experience that, whether it be in terms of fertility in terms of parenting, um, postpartum, it was really huge for me, but also me too. what we eat, what we put into our bodies and you know, what that serves. Um, it, it's such a struggle. Well, and that's like, you know, I was a super active, I, I am still a super active person, but even, you know, when I was going through the fertility process, um, it was very hard for me not to be active. And there were points where I wasn't allowed to be active. And, um, that was very, very hard for me, um, just in general. And also like when I got pregnant with my first, I'm a small petite person. I'm like a little over five feet tall. And I would say I average about a hundred pounds. You know, I go a little bit up, a little bit down. That's the way I was built. Um, but (laughs) I gained like almost 40 pounds with my first pregnancy. And yeah, a lot of that was water weight. Cause I literally delivered and was like 20 pounds lighter. <laughs> um, but, and yeah, I mean, I was so swollen that when I walked into my doctor's office, she would like, she'd like suck in <laughs> like, Oh, amazing. Well, tiny, but body. I mean, 40 pounds during a pregnancy on my five foot seven body is not that terrible. Yeah. But 40 pounds on your little teeny hundred pound frame. Just, it was like insane. So much. It was insane. And I was swollen everywhere. Like, and I, I didn't have preclampsia or anything like that. I just, my mom also carried with a lot of water weight too. Um, but a lot of it had to do with the hormones as well. Um, the fertility hormones. I mean, I went through four rounds of IVF and so, um, it was hard though, because I was always a healthy active person. And then I was, went through all this and I couldn't be what I thought was healthy and active. And I really wish I knew back then what I know now in the sense that I kept looking at myself as healthy in a very different way where I should have just looked focused at that moment of my mental health um, versus just thinking about physical health. Because although physically I wasn't able to do what I was supposed to, what I usually do, I was doing what I was supposed to do to carry this baby without miscarrying. And, you know, this baby that cost a lot of money (laughs) and a lot of a lot of, you know, trials and, you know, and I was, we, the doctors too, like they were like, don't do anything until a certain time. Um, and I still remember at like 13 weeks, I had like a little bit of blood, which is very, you know, it's not uncommon, but I, oh my, I like freaked out. I was like, oh my God, you know, and it's just the trauma. It is. It's a trauma. It's such a trauma that you have to overcome. And that's why I think there probably is some still left inside of you because it's, it's trauma and trauma buries itself. Um, no, it's funny because I had a really interesting sort of struggle with how I was 
in caring for myself through fertility and infertility as well. Um, I went through a year and a half of trying to conceive before I did. Um, and then when I had my first miscarriage, it was like my body, it, uh, some switch in my body flipped. Um, and I went from not get pregnant to not being able to not get pregnant. So I had four miscarriages in a year. Um, and that's a lot of trauma to put yeah. your body <laughs> and your heart through in one time. And one of them was actually when we were actively trying to prevent pregnancy. So it was crazy that we went from a year and a half of trying to conceive to out of a miscarriage, I was trying not to get pregnant so that we could do testing. And then I was pregnant and I didn't even totally understand how. Um, yeah. So when I was going through me has always been a, um, a coping mechanism. We're inclined to stress eat and we're producing that or that chemical that helps decrease our anxiety. And so there actually is a physiological reason for this mm -hmm. thing we do that in the long term is really unhealthy for us, but yeah. it sort of, and so that's what I had going on. I was just stress eating like crazy. So I went into my pregnancy by far the heaviest I have ever been in my life. And then of course I gained a typical amount of pregnancy. I did have preeclampsia. Um, and I do medical research. I'm really interested in the human body. Um, and I know that we don't know what causes preeclampsia. I know that uh, they believe it probably has something to do with your placenta. Mm -hmm. But the guilt of going into a pregnancy so much heavier and less fit than I had traditionally been and wondering if that had caused this disorder and if that had caused my son to have to be born three weeks early, tremendously overwhelming, even though I understood rationally that these two things were very likely not connected. Um, I just couldn't let go of that guilt for so long. Um, because I worried that somehow by trying to take care of my brain, um, I had harmed my body and thus his body. And we let ourselves get into these anxious, guilty spirals that are just so detrimental to us. Totally. And that's actually interesting because I, I'm the opposite. When I'm stressed, I actually don't eat and I have zero <laughs> appetite. I have like no appetite whatsoever. I lose a ton of weight when I go through a lot of stress, but it's interesting because I have anxiety regularly. So I wonder if it's just the way my brain is that, that whatever's released to help like decrease that anxiety to make us overeat. Maybe it does something different for me because I have no desire to eat. Yeah, I, I'm always fascinated by this because I also have anxiety regularly. Um, and for me, this is, I, and I've had both. So a period in time, I remember when I was a senior in high school and I went through a very emotionally period and I completely stopped eating. I lost a ton of weight. Um, I just had no, that's the only time in my life that it's happened that way. Every other time it's been the reverse. Interesting. I love to understand psychologically, like what? What is the difference? What yeah, I mean, and, and neither are healthy, really, because... No, neither is healthy. You need you're not, yes. Well, and when you don't eat, especially, you're um, not giving your body the fuel it needs to heal itself and to 
stay strong and overcome. And so it's almost like, you know, it's, yeah, it's definitely not healthy. I mean, when I was, I, you know, when I had, when I was pregnant with my first, um, the old, I had major, um, uh, what's it called? There's a name for it where you're sick, but I had the actual condition. My sister has the condition like way worse than me. That had gravidarum. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, it gets worse with every pregnancy. Um, my sister got to the point with her second that she had to be on a Zofran pump for six months. Yes. Um, it was awful. So I was on Zofran my entire pregnancy. I never could go off of it. Um, and the only thing I could eat when I was newly pregnant, the only thing I would eat, I'm not even kidding you, was those King's Hawaiian rolls with a slice of Swiss cheese in the middle. <laughs> so my husband would get come home from the grocery store with like pallets of them. Because you know how they come in a pallet? Yes, <laughs> that actually sounds delicious right now. Yeah. He came home in like a pallet of like five and then like multiple packs of Swiss cheese. And it had to be Swiss, nothing else. And then I would make these little sandwiches with it just in the middle. I wanted it room temperature. And then I would take them to school. And when I was teaching, like I, the kids knew like certain times of the day, I'd take out my little sandwich, I'd eat it at my desk. <laughs> and that's like nothing else really sounded good. And it just was a hard time for me, the, you know, the guilt of why can't I eat anything else? Like everything else makes me sick. Am I doing, you know, is this right for what I'm doing? And, you know, and then I'm, gaining all this weight that I'm not used to. And, um, and then I got pregnant very quickly after my first, I got pregnant with my second, not on purpose, but it just happened. I was about, they're 15 months apart. So I was like three months postpartum. Um, but what's interesting is that my body just did its thing. Like, that's the thing is like, you're kind of not to say that, um, you can't change your body, but I feel like you're giving these parameters of this thing, this range of which in your body is, is a capable of becoming. And, you know, for me, like with my first pregnancy with all the hormones and they gained all this weight and whatever with my second pregnancy, I was, even though it was only three months postpartum, I was definitely like, wasn't back to where I used to be. I mean, but I'd lost a lot of weight just in delivery because it was a lot of water that came out and I kind of deflated a little bit. But my second pregnancy, I um, was doing this thing called I doing this thing called stroller strides, and I don't know if you have it in your area, but um, that that became my family, and I still have a very close group of girlfriends that um, we're still very good friends from it from way back when. Um, but I was much more active, and it wasn't a fertility baby, so I stayed active. I did my normal thing, and um, I was a basketball. Like I had only gained maybe 20 pounds with my second. Yeah. So I was definitely, it was definitely like a huge difference. And then with my second, all I craved was, um, I couldn't, th this is when our like, um, reducing meat journey, like started is, um, I didn't, I couldn't stand the smell of meat. I couldn't stand the taste of meat. I couldn't, um, yes. I remember going to a fancy restaurant with my husband and I ordered this short rib pasta and I took one bite and I looked at him and I'm like, I can't eat this. I'm going to barf. And he's like, um, it's like $40. Like you're eating. I'm like, no, I'm not. And he <laughs> happened, he happened to order a vegetarian pasta. Cause we loved, we did a lot of, you know, veggies and whatever. And I'm like, guess we're switching. And so he had to eat my pasta and I got to eat his pasta. Um, but all I craved with my second was fruits and vegetables. Like I craved that, like just craved it. And that's all I wanted. I, I wasn't big on breads and whatever. It was mostly fruit and veggies. 
Um, but it was interesting because both were very healthy. My second actually was eight, two. Wow. Yeah. It was eight pounds, two ounces. And my first was only six thirteen. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, like, you know, just seeing the differences. Um, the differences you were able to nourish the second one. And, you know, I hate saying it that way because I know t- I have a couple of dear friends who have gone through severe HG, um, who have to have IV ports put in just to get fluids, yeah. um, can't keep anything down and they struggle with guilt. And, you know, I certainly want anyone who hears this to know that it's not your fault and you're doing what you baby. And these babies turn out um somehow miraculously they're they're they get nutrients and they're okay uh, your poor body is suffering yeah but I do because the baby so, takes everything it needs like that's what my do. doctor told me my doctor's like it doesn't matter the baby's taking what it needs but then like you know there's once you have this baby like there's all this guilt with like how did I eat how do I eat now like there's so much behind it Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm Southern. So this is going to sound really funny to people who are not Southern because it's probably not a food that they hear of very often. But when I was pregnant with Jack, all I wanted was boiled peanuts. Oh my and gosh, that's so funny. I like, If I couldn't find the street stand and I live in Atlanta, so there aren't a whole lot of street stands here. We So people who don't know, South, we live peanuts um and you usually buy them from a stand in the middle of nowhere on the side of the road that quite possibly cooked them in a trash can um not a trash can that's ever been used for trash but a trash can um and so i use my instant pot and would just oh my gosh make boiled peanuts and the instant pot and then was born and i started worrying about things like peanut allergy um because we worry about everything as new moms I was like, oh my God, what if I ate too many peanuts? And yeah, I had so many peanuts and you actually was afraid. I told someone who was trained in first aid with infants, and I was also trained um, to give him peanut butter when enough at some point without me knowing. And then tell me it went fine or rush him to me for resuscitation. And so um, it was a caregiver helping me and she came out onto my back porch and she said good news he does fine with peanuts um because I had become so paranoid yeah couldn't even let him try it for based on nothing there's no data that says eat peanuts during pregnancy and your kid might is more like yes well no in our heads actually my dad is an immunologist allergy and immunology and he actually when I had my first the the whole back then it was you don't give your kid nuts until they're over one and that was mm-hmm. like that that was the trend back then um and my dad looked at me and he said you're giving your son peanuts starting at like six months when he's eating like solid food because he believes that when you don't expose to the allergen that's when you can trigger more likely to cr- trigger an allergy whereas if you slowly expose them they build their um antihistamines against it and that really helps. And if you think, look at now that some of the, the things that they're doing with kids with allergies is that's what they're doing is they're starting yes, to expose them. So I gave my kids peanut, uh, peanut butter and nuts in general from the time they were little, just because of the guidance of my dad. Um, but it just goes back to that whole thing with guilt with food. And it's like now, especially like for us, like we, you know, when my second was born that year is when we started changing our diet for my husband's health. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a bunch of heart health 
issues. And so his cardiologist suggested we, that he plant-based. And so that's kind of how my journey began, began, but we've kind of, um, back then we had two babies. Like my kids didn't, but they weren't even eating. Well, the first one was eating. The second one wasn't even eating yet. Um, and then we've had a third since, but now that they're kids, our journey is kind of taking a little bit of a swivel because I just from everything I've learned and educated myself is I really worry a lot about um, uh, the food guilt sector yeah. and relationship with food. And even though I have boys, it's still really important to not only have them have a good relationship with food, but to also encourage women to have a good relationship with food, you know, and that, like, I want them to be the change of that whole, you know, body image thing and encouraging women to, um, and I've always, I've always loved to eat. Um, people have always been surprised at how much I can eat, but <laughs> I, I, I've never like even going through high school with like seeing friends that are dieting. And I remember dabbling in it with a friend she said, Oh, let's do this diet together. And I remember lasting like a day or two and going, this is ridiculous. Like I'm hungry. <laughs> like I, I, you know, but I had a mom who, you know, ate and she ate healthily, you know, and she did do some, like, she did like weight watchers in the sense that, um, she tracked what she ate. So she didn't overeat, but she, she was never like a yo-yo dieter. Um, she just tried to maintain her weight. She never was about losing weight or changing her body or whatever. Um, but it was important that I t let my kids realize that they had to have a happy, happy relationship with food because I don't want them to be on the, you know, for themselves and for a woman to, yeah. to have that, you know, food guilt or whatever. Um, so we, you know, once they got to a certain age and they were asking questions, like we just kind of said that, try it, do whatever you want. So like, I want my kids and I know that it doesn't sit right with some people with like, oh, you know, you should be raising your kid plant-based, vegan, whatever. Well, the thing is we're not vegan. Um, we are plant-based and we also are very balanced. And I, you know, this whole podcast is about how I don't believe it has to be a black and white thing. Like I understand veganism and the ethical concept behind it. And if that's your story and that's your goal, that's great. But our goal is health and that's our why. And to me, health is mental health and physical health. And with my boys, like, you know what? We've let them try a ton of stuff. Um, there's things, there's, there's meat that they've tried that they themselves have decided, I don't like it. I don't like the taste of it. Um, it's not their thing. And so that's great. I, they know this now. Like, it's not this taboo thing. And we talk to them about why we eat a our certain way. And we talk to them about eating, you know, a way to help your body feel better, but also remembering that it's okay to eat that bowl of ice cream. It's okay to eat those cookies because sometimes that's what our body wants and craves and, and it's nourishing your mind. It's nourishing your mind in a different way. Um, and it's really important to do that. It's really important to do both. I think it's important that our children learn to listen to their own bodily cues when it comes to food. Yes. Um, and to exercise as well. And it's something I really struggle with right now because I have an almost three-year-old, by the time this podcast comes out, he'll be three. And he is one of those children who can just not eat. Uh, he would, he doesn't care about eating. And so getting him to sit down at the table, which is very important to me and eat a, 
is so incredibly difficult. Um, and so we're always battling, what do we do? And to taste different foods. I want him to try all of the foods. I want him to eat, but I don't want to force food on him because no. I want him to know how to listen to his body and say, yeah. I'm full, I'm not hungry. I don't need a meal right now. Or, um, you know, no, I don't want that thing. I thing. Um, it, it is such a hard thing to balance. And that's not something, I was fortunate not to have parents who forced me to eat growing but I also grew up in a very meat and potatoes household um, and had the kind of mom who, I mean, I love my mom, but one of her short fallings, and she will tell you, um, is that she will walk up to you and grab your belly and say, oh, hey, you gained a little bit of weight there, haven't you? Um, and I, that's what I knew my entire life. Um, even today, she comments on how skinny one of my nieces is. And yeah. she says that like, it's a great thing. And I'm like, Can stop using this word Yeah. with this six-year-old because I don't want her to worry about the things that I worry about. Um, and so I think you're right. It's so important that we teach our kids these things that we let them figure out what they like on their own and learn to listen to their cues. I think it's important for girls and boys, you know, yes, boys have food issues that they don't tell us about. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not manly for a man to have issues with food. So I think they deal with those things. And then also, like you said, you know, I don't want Jack to ever be someone who looks at what a girl's eating in the cafeteria and makes a face that makes her feel bad or makes a comment about, wow, you can eat so much that she internalizes negatively. I never want him to be that person. Well, and I was um, growing up um, in the Greek community, there is, you know, the place there is, there are, there are a lot of comments about weight and the way you look. And um, in, in Greece, it's actually interesting. And the Greek culture, um, one thing that I have noticed and taken out of it is they believe bread is what makes you fat. Um, And so they cut out a lot of bread when they want to lose weight. And I lived in Greece for a year. And so the reason I know this is because that's was, you know, like I saw it everywhere. Whereas I don't believe bread makes you fat. That's my personal opinion. I think you need a well-rounded diet, including breads or carbs of some sort. I think your body needs that in order to fuel yourself. And that's just, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. I just believe in kind of an equal opportunity food approach. Um, but growing up, I was always the short one with the big butt and my sister was the tall, skinny one. And that was something I've definitely internalized for sure. And I don't know. I mean, it didn't ever really give me an eating disorder, probably because I love to eat too much. But I, yeah, but I definitely, um, when someone asks me, like, if I'm, you know, exercising or working out, I definitely know that I focus a lot of my exercise on my backside my and that is where I gain the weight like that's just the way my body's built but I don't I wonder if it wouldn't have been as much of a focus for me had I not heard that absolutely I mean you know so far too much self-worth in my physical size um I, I am fortunate that it's not on weight it's not on a number but it is it's the same correlation. It's when I look in the mirror, what am I seeing? And if if it's heavier than I'm happy with, I really do lose a lot of confidence and I, I shouldn't. 
I really don't believe that I should because I, the things, if you ask me, you know, what are your core values? What are the things that make you, you, their, you know, my personality, their kindness, their confidence, their empathy, their all these different things. None of them have anything to do with how I look, yeah. but also when you are bigger, you, I personally, I don't know for, I can't speak for everyone, but speaking for me, I feel less energized. I feel more tired. Um, and being someone who is energized and who thrives on getting things done has always been a huge part of my self-identity. And so even right now, I'm actually in a place where I have that. And it's very bothersome to me. Um, really fine line between recognizing I don't feel my, I don't feel my, like I'm in optimal health for myself and I need to address that and just feeling guilty and putting yourself down for it. And it's a, it's such a tough line to tread. And I know I fall on the road constantly. It a hundred is a hundred percent is. And one thing I've actually learned this last like year and a half, I've really taken up, um, you know, I've talked about this in a different episode, but I, you know, I went through menopause early and I'm now in post-menopause. And part of that was, um, a real peak in my anxiety and my issues with anxiety where I had to go on medication for a short time and then came off of it just because of the way it made me feel after its initial support that I needed. Cause my body just went absolutely wacky. Like I went from perimenopause to post-menopause and probably a period of like six months. Um, yeah, it was crazy. My body, um, my body like just exploded. And so what my doctor said is that, look, you just, you need a little something to help regulate you. And then let's, you know, and once it regulated, I, the secondary effects just weren't, it, it didn't make me feel good. So I weaned off of it and I did a lot of work with, um, yoga, meditation and things like that. And one thing, I've really focused on, which has helped me change my brand a little bit and focus more on what I've always really wanted to focus on is, is listening to your body, like really listening to your body, sincerely listening to your body and how you feel. And that's where I struggle with the whole anti-diet movement, which I really believe in it. But the, the piece of it, the extreme piece of it that I don't identify with is the whole thing about you always need to, um, we need to be body positive all the time, accept ourselves, the who the the way we are and you shouldn't need to lose weight where I just don't necessarily agree with that. I feel like if you're really listening to your body and you're thinking about how you feel, not how you look, not the number on the scale, but if you've gained weight and you don't feel good, why shouldn't you say that I want to lose some weight? Why is that a bad thing? It's almost like society has made this complete 180 with like, yes, if you feel good and you're happy and no matter what size you are, it doesn't matter. But if you don't feel good, why can't you say, why is it so negative to say, I want to change that? And I, yeah. And I just, I feel like that movement has talked so much about that. Like, it's like so negative to say that. And I'm like, why? Because you feel like crap. Like, so you're just going to accept, you're going to have to change your mind to not feel like crap, but you don't feel good. Well, I, you know, I think that's part of where the whole concept of guilt that we keep coming back to comes from, right, is I can be overweight for myself where I don't feel good and I carry my kid up the stairs and feel winded and, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I can say, right. okay, hey, I want to go and I want to lose weight and I want to exercise 
more and people are over here screaming at me no you shouldn't do things you should just do what's healthy for you and dieting is diet right but if I don't do those things then I'm also having people commenting on my size and I'm also not physically feeling well yes. and so you know we've just we we have a culture that we've created right now where we need these voices like what your podcast and your site try to do no it's it's about you it's about how you feel right. and what's personal to you because we're all different um, and yes using social metrics we can't get it right we have something to feel guilty about no matter Always. what we do. So, and that's why I feel like let's just focus on ourselves. Let's focus on what makes us less anxious, less stressed, makes us feel better, even if that makes somebody else uncomfortable. Like, yes. you know, and you know, there's a line for that. But in general, when it comes to our own health, we have to focus on our health first. Um, and I personally feel like even, you know, with, you know, with my family, like we changed our diet for my husband because he had heart issues. And I said, well, we're a family and we could all use to eat more plants. Um, but then I recently found out I can't do gluten. So now we're having to make some changes again. And not to say that they don't eat gluten. I, I just have, I mean, we're, we've always were like lower gluten. Like we've always done gluten-free pasta because my husband definitely reacts to like too much. But mm-hmm. for me, I went from, I can't have too much to, I can't have it at all. Right. And probably because of the changes in my body. Um, but that's when I been seeing my, my naturopathic doc, like that's one thing we talked about and it's changed me. It's made me feel so much better being off of it. And I could feel if I accidentally have it, which I have a few times, I could feel the inflammation like immediately. So, you know, and now I'm to the point where like, you know, if I'm out, I don't, I have a really hard time with being in a box. And now that I am in this no gluten box, it's very difficult for me. Um, so when I'm out, I have to be able to expand my choices. So like if I'm eating an animal product when I'm out, I'm going to have, I'm going to be okay with that because I personally know for me, I can't have the gluten and I want to go out and enjoy myself and have a nice dinner and not stress. So I need to open my horizons a little bit with what my choices are going to be. Because if I go into a restaurant and have all these parameters, I feel like it's just not enjoyable anymore. And we don't go out all the time, but the few times I do, I just want to be able to enjoy it. And I think that's okay. It's okay to sometimes be selfish. Absolutely. We have one life. Yes. And you're coming back to, I mean, it's kind of the same point over and over that we keep unintentional to. It's like, it's individual. It's about you. Right. Um, And if what you feel like is I want to go out and, you know, eat certain foods that I wouldn't otherwise traditionally eat. That's okay. If it's okay to you, it doesn't have to yeah. be okay to the person sitting next to you at dinner. Um, right. you know, one of my best friends is vegan and I am not, um, I eat literally everything. Um, and so now to eat together is interesting. So to make sure she has really options depending on where we are in the world yeah. um we tend to have to do a little more research and find right. good restaurants for her and that's great because that's her choice but mm-hmm. if one day you know but if you were there and you were eating with us and you said hey i'm typically plant-based but because of you know whatever whatever reason i'm choosing 
able to add um, an animal product today. While I'm eating animal products anyway, we all get to do those things because it's it's what works for each individual and for their bodies right. and for their styles. And that's why I believe it's a it's a it's a um, fluid spectrum. And I think that you have to do what works. And and you know, it's one thing if you're if you're always making selfish choices and you're never thinking of others. But holy moly, my entire brand is about spreading plants and showing how amazing food can be from plants and it's what I do and what's what I enjoy. And I, and I feel best eating mostly plants and that's the thing, but emotional, emotionally, I also need to be okay with that part of my body. And I know that with myself, like I do have anxiety and I want to be able to go out to eat and I want to have the, the, I want to feel the choice of being able to do it guilt-free. And I actually am guilt-free with that. Like I don't stress about it anymore. You know, being in this space that I'm at when I first started I felt a lot of guilt for not fitting in and not having that feeling of happiness fitting in. And then when I expanded a little bit and I realized, you know what, like it doesn't have to be black and white. It can be gray, it can be a grayscale. And that's kind of like our entire world today. Like there's so much extremity, there's so much division, there's so much everything. It's like, why can't we all just accept each other for the choices we make? And I make a lot of choices for other people. In fact, that's been my fault my entire life is I've made choices based on other people versus myself. And it's time that I take a hold of my life and, and make some choices based for me too. And because I can't help others, I can't do what I do with my brand. I can't spread the word. I can't create if I'm not at my best. And, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. You're, I mean, it, honestly, that's exactly what my brand is about as well. It just doesn't have anything to do with food. I, you know, it's undefining. And people say, why undefining? Why not redefining? And I say, because redefining still puts us in boxes. It still puts us in categories. And what I want to help people understand is that we need to find a way to do things our way that work for us, that work for us as individuals, that work for us as our families. And yes, be selfish. have to find what works for us and what works for our families. Um, And, you know, sometimes that means making selfish choices. And it doesn't always, just like you said, it's not always making selfish choices. I'm not going to say, hey, I, you know, I want to go write a book. And literally, I am writing a book and I'm struggling to get it done because I have an almost three-year-old. Yeah. I could make the choice to just go somewhere for six weeks and write the book. And I'm not going to make that choice because to me personally, that would be too selfish to another yes. mother might not. And I'm, that's her choice to make. The fact totally. that I take time away from him to write a book at all to some people is too selfish, but we've got to find that balance and we've got to figure out what works for us. And right. I think that, that does require being selfish a little bit. It also requires recognizing that maybe it's not selfish. Maybe by making myself happy, I'm a better mom and I'm a hundred percent doing more for him. No, a hundred percent. And that's with food, you know, you, when you make yourself happy, you have more to give to other people. And there's different opinions. I mean, some people, you know, can't believe like, oh, you're making yourself happy by, you know, eating animal products. And it's like, well, it's not just that it's not, that's not the point. The point is just, it's, the stress level and what we choose to do is not necessarily um, what everyone chooses. And my space is accepting where everyone is at with what they choose and what they do. And that's what um, I think stress is a big part of um, the problem in our world. I think we're, we're driven by stress and part of what I'm choosing not to do is um, stress. 
So I am choosing not to stress. I'm choosing to take the road of less stress, even if that means I'm veering a little bit off my path. I think it's fine. Um, and I'm happy that you were able to like shed light on that too, as far as like motherhood goes and, and how people, so people can see that it's, 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 it's affecting most of our, you know, most of us, like some of us are outliers and they can do the extremes because they're so passionate about it. It doesn't stress them out. But most of us are in this middle place where stress is um, a big thing. And I personally, um, I'm trying to spread the word to not stress. Um, but thank you so much for being here. And part of actually the next episode, what I'm going to talk about is the stress of meal planning, talking about stress. And one other thing in life that is so much out there and um, people put such pressure on, on, you have to be prepped, you have to be planned, you have to follow this. And um, I'm trying to unravel that and make it um, the same way, make it balanced, make it um, easier, make it less stressful, and really just t trimming away the extra things and just getting down to the basics of um, why you want to plan what I you want to plan. That. I can't wait yep. to listen. Thanks so much for being on, Katie. Thank you so much for having me, Sophia. This was wonderful. And um, listen in next time so you can hear more about how I'm going to make meal planning less stressful.